Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Service for all brands of print equipment in your office? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X dot C-A on Oilers Radio, 630 1234 in Edmonton. Uh, we were talking a bit about Queen and Live Aid. Uh, this text comes in from Brent. He says, Bob, I watched Live Aid when I was 20. Queen was awesome. Brent says, I remember Phil Collins uh, became the first artist to perform in two continents on the same day. Good memories. Uh, this text comes in out of Edmonton saying, Bob, I went to a Queen concert at the Coliseum circa 1975. Uh, they were okay. Truth be told, the Who concert at the same venue blew the roof off the place. This is Oilers Now, where guests receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris, it's the greatest steak you've ever had. Follow the sizzle to 99.90. Uh, Jas Revenue, Tal Maggie, and the staff at Oilers Now sent you. Roos Chris, I'm going to be attending an event there tonight um, with some uh, friends, including... Uh, John Winwick and Chris Noble and the gang from ATB, who are huge uh, supporters of amateur hockey in the province of Alberta, including uh, the Edmonton Oil Kings. Speaking of uh, rock and rollers, uh, let's bring aboard Louis DeBrusque from NHL <laughs> Hockey and Rogers. Louis, how you doing? <laughs> yeah, rock and roller. How I'm do doing you... good today, Bob. How are you doing? Good. Uh, so uh, what's your favorite Queen song? Uh, we Are the Champions. Yeah. You know what? It was always... Uh... You know, that was kind of the song that uh, you saw the Oilers play it after they won the Stanley Cup back in the day. I always remember that video of them coming off the plane and that song playing. And um, that was always a real good one for me. And then they, they've got so many. I mean, I think you can literally put the the album in and push play and, you know, like every song. Yeah, absolutely. Well, they're big time. There was no question back in the day. Uh, by the way, thanks for the ride yesterday afternoon. No problem. Because we haven't spoken. Uh, did you get a ticket? I didn't. I moved it. I moved it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. It was all good. We we made the, we made her avail with John Hines, and then I moved the truck after. I know you got a chance to bump into Elaine Nazardine and Mike Greer as well, yeah. uh, who are the assistant coaches. I did not know this that you were uh, Mike was your roommate at one time. Yeah, he was my roommate his first couple of years in the league when he came on board with Edmonton, and uh, one of the nicest guys you're going to meet in the league. Um, just a fantastic guy, and I think that his personality is rubbed off on that team already in his first year as an assistant coach under Hines. And that's kind of what John Hines talked about, too, him and Elaine Nasruddin, two guys that, you know, played the, the game the right way. And, 
you know, for, for Mike Green, he was an excellent penalty killer, played over a 1,000 games, had two 20-goal seasons in his six seasons with Edmonton, just was kind of a, a real solid all-around player, but a real good guy, and I think the young guys really respect him just as approach and such an approachable guy. But uh, you got to talk to him a little bit there before the game last night too, and you could see that in their game last night. Their sticks were good. Um, defensively, they were very sound, and it's obviously a big work in progress, and they've had a decimated team this year, but... They were the hungrier team last night and, and deserved that win. All right, Louis. So when we're driving to the game last night, we were both a little bit nervous about last night's game. You know yep. what I'm and, and that's because, unfortunately, for this Oilers group, they haven't dealt with prosperity well. And people say, well, how are they dealing with prosperity? They're basically a 500-team all season or uh, a Bettman 500-team because they're now 31, 32, and 7. But by prosperity, I mean they're playing a team on the second of a back-to-back that's got five of their top nine forwards out, including the reigning league MVP, Taylor Hall. They've got two of their top five defensemen out of the lineup, and they've traded away. If, if you got to capitalize against a team like that, and you and me were, and it was an animated conversation in the truck, as you know, Lou. And I was like... Well, well when, you, when you paint the picture like that, I don't know, you know, why are we so worried about the game, but... Those games are dangerous. They really are. And and listen, you, you've got a team on the other side that's playing really free. You've got a bunch of young guys that are hungry and they're playing for their lives, literally. They're playing for their their jobs. And then you've got a team on the other side that's you know been on a real nice roll here and been playing very sound hockey as a team. And just I don't think expected the pushback or the push rather that the New Jersey Devils gave them, and they just weren't ready for it. And that's, you know, to me, something that the Oilers still have to learn in a big way. It's one thing to get geared up for the best teams in the league because you don't want to be embarrassed, and you know that if you don't bring your A game, you will be embarrassed. But the really good teams punish the weak teams. It's not even a question. It's like it's just a walk in the park for them because their fundamentals – and the way they approach the game is exactly the same. They don't let anybody off the hook. All right. For me, Louie, the message got sent right away from Curtis Gabriel. Yep. He got what a it, fight that was last yeah, night. Wow. But he went at Lucic twice to get him to fight, and the third time Milan had no choice. All right, that's like he Gabriel was trying to get something started, and I think New Jersey's team gained a tremendous amount of confidence. I mean, that was we haven't had a fight like that in the league all year. Like oh. that was two guys standing back and chucking from downtown. Okay. And, I mean, Gabriel's fighting. There's only three or four guys like Milan left in the NHL. And I think his team, and he didn't win the fight, and Milan didn't lose the fight. But he but he survived it, and he acquitted himself quite well. And I think they got a huge boost out of that, Louie. Well, I, I think so, too. I really do. I think both benches got boost out of it, but there's no question the Devils, with a young guy like Gabriel coming in and, you know, Lucic was an idol of his. It's a guy that he looked up to and wanted to play like and be like, and who wouldn't? You know, he's a big physical guy that can score, that can fight. Um, he's intimidating, and you're right. He went at him a couple times in the shift. For Lucic, though, and I'm not making an excuse here, Gabriel's in better fighting shape right now than Lucic. He's fought a few more times this year. He was ready for it. He was geared up. Lucic came off two games of not playing. You know, probably didn't have complete lung capacity and, got into a real heavy tilt that uh, I think even took him off guard a little bit. Yep. But even yep. so, 
he was the more dangerous guy late in the fight because every shot that he threw late, you're thinking, if this thing connects, he could put this guy down. But you got to give the kid a lot of credit. He survived. He battled. He got his shots in. It was a real solid fight. It was one of the best ones I've seen in a long time. And uh, what a start to the game. There was a standing ovation at Rogers' place afterwards. They People stood up and were cheering because it was that big of a tilt. Um, there still is a place for that kind of stuff in the game. Both guys skated it off, a little bit of tape on the fingers afterwards, a little dab on the nose and cheekbone, and then they went back out there and played the game. But it certainly did set the tone. It set the tone in the game, and it, it also made the statement that the Devils were there to play. And they were there to play from the start, and they never really relented. Yeah, as a, you know what, I was as I was watching the game against Calgary the night before, 4-3 heading the third period, I'm like, you know, if New Jersey can just find a way to, to win this game, it'll be an easier match for Edmonton the next night. And instead, the Devils give up six and lose. I'm like, oh, boy, here we go. This is and not you – know that's, that's how it works, man. It does work, and it also the fact that they get right back on the horse the next night. Yeah. So short-lived memory. It's just like, you know what, let's, let's erase that immediately. That was a terrible period. And that was the message before the game. That was the way they were approaching it, and they did approach it that way. Um, listen, it was a, you know, if, if you look at everything that transpired in the game last night, Miko Koskinen, certainly not on his game, but a couple in that he should have had. Right. Knows that he should have had. He's been fantastic for them as late as 7-2-2 two, and two in his previous 11 coming in. So, I mean, he'd won five in a row. He had an off night. Okay, so that's one thing. The defense's zone coverage was off. They were just, they were absolutely letting too many people get around and behind them and in front of their goalie and having too good of chances. He made those saves, you know, except for the one on Zajac on the power play where he was left alone, where I think they thought that puck was going to get out, but Severson had a good, a good keep and he just kept it alive on the blue line and put it right down to Zajac. Listen, he walked around him, he scored, but another guy that's left alone on your goaltender. And, you know, as a whole, it's one thing if your goalie's having an off night, you can sometimes make it up if you're playing really sound defensively, you're playing well offensively, you're capitalizing on your opportunities. It really was a chain reaction of negative events for them last night. It just just didn't happen. You know, Connor McDavid had two assists, picked up his 100th uh, point for the third consecutive year, but he had a tough time too. You know what, they, they made it very difficult on him to tread water. Leon Dreisaitl had a 14-game point streak going into it. You know, I thought for the first time in a while it was stationary in his play yep. where he wasn't moving his feet, and they capitalized on that because they, they knew they could attack him when he had the puck. They're also and, quick. Uh, they're a quick they're team. They're quick. That was it. They, they, the quickness of them. And so I, I rem- remember before the game, Ken Hitchcock in his press conference said that he felt that was a one-off for the New Jersey Devils. They had been playing pretty well as of late, and he expected a better game from them coming into the game last night. He was correct. And I look at that game from the Oilers last night, and the way they've been playing as of late, that's a one-off in my opinion. That was just one you scrap because it just everything didn't add up in that game. All right, so you mentioned the goaltending, Koskinen 2-4. and Uh, The first goal on Stollers wasn't any good either, by the way. The No, you know, and that's, you know, that was kind of a backbreaker too when you go in there. It was was a quick shot, and, you know, getting back to that point, I, I do think there were times that, and it was the style that Jersey was playing, was creating the illusion that the Oilers had to make the perfect pass and the perfect play and they didn't find put a perfect shot. They did not put enough shots on a goaltender that has struggled. Right. I mean, this guy has had really, now, and all the credit to Corey Schneider, he made some dynamite saves when he needed to, but this is a guy that struggled to try and find his game. Well, let them struggle some more by putting a lot of pucks on. They have, the Oilers have, Louis, the Oilers have one defenseman that consistently gets pucks to the net, and he's in their third pairing, 
and he's plus 14 on a team with a minus 31 goal differential. And that's Matt Benny. Best one-timer the defenseman. Right? Like, Gee, there, there's no question. There, one times the puck the best, as I said that last night. On, on, he on, gets pucks through. It, it, it doesn't even have to be a, a slapper yep. or a snapper, but he, he funnels pucks to Lynette, and then there's collateral opportunities that are created because of it. Yep. And, you know, it just, it, it, it's, I mean, we are watching some things occur here. For, for two of the last three games, Louis, in the final minute, and this has been an issue for the team since November of 2016. They don't win faceoffs on the PK. Yeah. And so they've gone from Latestu, who was okay on the power play, but not great on the PK and is currently playing in the American Hockey League, to Kyle Brodziak, who they brought in to win critical draws. Lost one against Toronto. Toronto got the goal late in the first period to go up one nothing. Lost one. Uh, last night, puck got moved around the boards. Oilers didn't get it out. You win those draws, and and the, the thing I'll say about Kyle is he's the first guy to admit to it because he's a pro. But you win those draws, and you're out of those periods, and and now you're scoreless against the Leafs, and you're up two one against New Jersey. Um, and so it is a little bit the personnel for me. Like they, they've got to. That's why the Strom trade was such a, an, an odd move to make. Because and he's not great himself. He's only a forty-nine percent face-off guy, but another right-shot face-off guy that gives you another option in those situations, Louis. You know, it's absolutely. Just, but, and, but for me, it, it's again it's that chain reaction of events in the game last night that worked against them. Everything, everything, and, and for all the good things that they were doing, and the times that they put the pressure on, they had some successive shifts in a row. Were they able to generate some real high-quality chances? They got stopped, sticks in front of those shots, deflections. It just was one of those games where they were battling uphill and they were fighting themselves as well. So, again, I look at it and uh, you hope that that's a one-off again. They've done a pretty nice job as of lately after losses, rebounding right back. They're going to have an opportunity to do that Saturday against a team they're chasing. And it's a must-win again. Every game's a must-win down the stretch. That's how they have to approach it, but they can only take one at a time. This one's done. Learn what you can from it. Be ready for the next one and continue to go forward. But yeah, it was. It was. There was pretty much. There weren't a whole lot of bright spots. Let's put it that way in the game last night for the Oilers. So, if you're going to have a game like that, everybody was kind of on the same page. Turn the page and go to the next. Go park it. All right. So I'm going to ask you, and because it's not just been a one-off, Adam Larson. Okay, we love Adam Larson. Adam Larson. He's a hard-nosed player by all reports. A terrific teammate. He's having a tough, tough go right now, isn't he? Like it's yeah, he is, and it's been yep. it's been it's been a bunch of games in a row. Um, as a former player, and granted, you had a different role and you know, completely different role. But what sort of advice would you give him to uh, to try to help a guy get through? I mean, if you're an offensive player, it's called a slump. But you know, he's he's having some challenges, and he's playing with Oscar Kleffbaum, and Oscar struggled a bit last night too. And Oscar would be the first to admit to that as well. But what would you say to, to Adam Larson right now? And they kind of go hand in hand. You know, pairings are, it, it's, a, it's a specialized unit. You know, the defense group, you know, is it's completely different than the forwards. And they, they have a, a different mentality. But what I would say to Adam Larson is, and I know it's cliche, but simplify. Your best game is when we don't talk about you a whole lot. Yeah. We talk about you if you, you know, because of a physical play or a physical hit or a good defensive stick, you know, just really simplify and play within your means and play from the inside out. You know, the times that he gets in trouble or when he starts to sprawl away from the net 
and then doesn't recover quick enough to get back to the front of the net. And therefore, he's reaching, he's hooking, he's grabbing. And, you know, that that's just not his game. Inside out, be a wall, be strong, make the first pass, get pucks in deep, like literally just go back to simplifying the game. Because when he plays that way, that's exactly the style that you want from Adam Larson. You know, you want him to be hard to play against, positionally sound, and just make the right play. Now, it sounds a lot easier to say than to do. I understand that because the opposition is trying to do the complete opposite and make you fumble, make you sidestep, make you get out of your comfort zone and make you get out of position. And the skilled players in this league and the players that are fast and work hard, they're really difficult to play against. But again, um, there has to be that awareness, that awareness of the danger around the goalie again. That last night was the first game in a while that I've seen that from Edmonton, not just Adam Larson, but as a whole. They, they kind of just didn't respect the fact that, hey, they were sliding people into dangerous spots all night long and they were finding them. They were getting the pucks. Um, they, should have, they should have recognized that early and they should have closed that off and just played a little tighter. You'll hear, hear teams talk about it all the, time, all the time, and Alex Chase on his first period interview with Gene Principe said the same thing. We need to tighten up. What he means by that is they just need to play sounder defensively. They need to play stingier. And it, it's, just, it's just a conscious effort to make sure that you're on the right side of the puck. You're on the right side of the body. And they just weren't that too many times last night, and Adam Larson was one of them as well. He got a little bit extended in, in the defensive zone, and it cost him. Uh, that's, you know, for him, he, he's a guy that knows it. I'm sure he'll have a better game next game, and he'll try and reel that in. I'm sure Trent Yanni will have a conversation with him. And, you know, again, I'm pretty sure that conversation will go much like what I just said, simplify things. Get back to the basics. That's where you play your best. Louie, are you doing the games in Arizona and Vegas? Arizona I am, yes. Not sh- Vegas. All right. We'll see you uh, on the plane tomorrow. Sounds good. You bet. That is Louie DeBrus from NHL Hockey and Rogers. 1251 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. We'll get to some of your texts on our Heartland Ford text line in our next segment. This is Oscar Platform from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Shed. 1254 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stauffer with you. This fall, yeah, we're giving you a heads up on it. It's a new S travel destination to Italy and Greece with the president of the company, Dennis Laliberti, on a 16-day holiday. It's a nine-day tour of Italy, visiting the beautiful cities of Rome, Florence, and Venice with daily guided tours. And then you board NCL Cruise Lines for a spectacular seven-night Greek island cruise, including meals, nightly entertainment, a private sunset dinner in the gorgeous Santorini, plus parking at the Value Park at the Edmonton International Airport. They're about 50% sold out right now. Call New West Traveler or visit newwesttravel.com. I will see the New West uh, Travel Oiler Road Trippers Sunday in Vegas. You can text us at 630-630 on our Heartland Ford text line. Oilers GM, Texas show. Bob, this team can't handle pressure. Whenever the games mean something, they find a way to fold. The team is lacking veteran leadership to get them ready for meaningful games. Again, you can text us at 630-630. Ron in Athabasca says, Bob, one of the issues with the Oilers is their offense is built on the cycle and funneling all the pucks to the point. That's not a bad system when you have defensive good shots and the ability to get pucks on the net, but the Oilers don't. San Jose, Anaheim do. To me, the Oilers' system isn't built for the personnel they have. It's put in place for uh, two coaches that are trying to keep their uh, jobs. There you go. Well, that's uh, meaning first Todd and, and now he's saying Ken Hitchcock. Um uh, 
I, I, I will say this about the defense. I think we're going to see a very different-looking defense over the course of the next 24 months for the Edmonton Oilers because it is an area of strength in the organization, and I think that you will see Caleb Jones have a great chance to make the team next fall. I think Joel Person will make the team next fall. And I think within a year, Evan Bouchard, you know, by the start of the 2020-2021 season, Evan Bouchard will be on the team. So you'll have some guys with some different skill sets there. Bob, thoughts on Dmitry Samarukov from uh, Teed? Uh, well, he's right now is about, I mean, he's having a ridiculous year. At one stage, I think he... Can you pull up uh, Sam Rukov's numbers for me on on uh, on Hockey DB or Elite Prospects or whatever you're using over there, Brendan? I think he's up to close to 40 points. He's got to be darn near plus 30 on the season, so he's having a, a pretty good uh, a pretty good year. Brendan, what do you got here? It's not the easiest name to spell on the fly. I <laughs> know, I got it. Uh, so in 58 games, he's got 10 goals, 34 assists for 44 points. He is plus 37. Yeah, he, I mean. Sam Arukoff and Evan Bouchard. All I will say is if Keith Gretzky, and I'm not sure who's going to end up being manager of this team, I'm not sure if there's going to be a president and then a manager, but I could foresee a scenario where Sam Arukoff and Bouchard start the year in the minors next year. Um, you still got Ethan Bear. You still got William Lagason. Lagason's the other guy. I mentioned the fact that I think. Caleb Jones is going to get a long look here uh, next year. I think uh, William Lagason is going to have a chance to make the team as well. I think he'll have a very different-looking defense for the Oilers over the course of the next 24 months. It is an area of strength. They've got some prospect depth at, at uh, defense. They need, they need to build more prospect depth at forward. Keep the text coming. We'll get to a bunch of the, uh, more coming up in the second hour of the show. Elliot Freeman for the River Cree Resort Casino at 105. Off to a global news weather traffic update. Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.